Hey everyone, Merry Christmas. Just a few things before the video kicks off. This is an interview between myself and Chris Carter, the CEO of Global Comics, which is an online comics platform um, that was conducted on the 18th of November. Please forgive whatever audio issues there might be. And thanks a lot to my patrons, whose name should be on the screen right now, without which things like this just wouldn't be possible. If you like journalistic work like this, please consider subscribing to the channel and joining the Patreon. All right, on to the video. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I gotten a lot of questions over the past like week. A lot of them are very long. <laughs> a lot of them are very complicated. But I think I think a really good place for us to start. I guess people people don't know global comics too well. Is the thing I've gotten a lot. Like I've gotten a lot of I don't know what they're up to. I don't know who works there. So I think a good place for us to start from is like, what is your company? Because I think it's fair to call it your company. Would we say you're? Would you prefer to also call you like the CEO? Is that your position? Yeah. You'd yeah. Okay, cool. I'm the CEO and co-founder, or CEO and founder, I should say. Yeah, that's valid. So I'm the CEO and founder, like, I got to ask, what is Global Comics right now? Like, what would you say it is as a company right now? I know companies Global Comics is right? on its way to being what I wanted it to be um, 15 years ago when I first got into digital comics online. Okay. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of background there, but I'll mm. summarize. I'm originally from Norway in um, Northern Europe. Yeah. And I grew up with, you know, comics from France and comics from Norway and comics from rest of Europe, some amount of U.S. based. I wasn't particularly into the Marvel DC thing myself. However, um, when I discovered Spawn in my late teens, I was awesome. Like that was amazing. It was super cool. Internet, of course, happened. And um, turns out comics still didn't come online for reasons that were beyond me. And as I was growing older, I also ended up moving different countries. Like I moved from Norway to Germany and from Germany to San Francisco, San Francisco to Paris. I was in Paris for three and a half years and then eventually ended up in New York. And one of the things that I found was that as I was moving from place to place, I was constantly losing access to the comics that I'd grown up with. I like uh, the comics mm. that I'd um, adopted in the new place that I'd settled down in. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of looked at official sources, as it were, and they just weren't available. Like, e even platforms like um, the one that was purchased by Amazon didn't serve an international audience. Yeah. Like, it was US. is kind of hard to use. Very yeah. much so. <laughs> and so, you know, like, kind of combining that with a stint in like the online translation community for Japanese comics and seeing kind of groups of people organized around the series that they were super into and, and translating just for the sake of it, for, for the love of the story um, into, you know, 20 languages within a couple of days of, mm. of chapters coming out. I was like, well, this is cool. Why isn't the comics industry making use of this, right? Like, what? why isn't this something that can be part of the official process? And that was kind of <clears throat> what started it all off, right? Yeah. Now, this was back in 2008 that I kind of started dabbling in, in those thoughts in that direction. I made an attempt back in 2009 and 2010, and I was talking with some Japanese publishers at the time, bringing Japanese comics like localized with crowdsourcing the localizations through fandom online, right? Yeah. And they kind of just laughed us out of their meeting room. Well, half of them did. Their marketing teams absolutely loved the entire worldwide community. The legal and executive teams um, absolutely hated us. 
And so that was that was kind of an eye opener where I kind of understood that, um, you know, this is before Twitter became a big thing, before Facebook had its rise and fall and before, you know, the concepts like the gig economy had even been uh, shown up or, or proven viable. So I put it on ice. I'd say 2015-ish, I decided to teach myself how to do the coding side of things and got to work on building global companies, right? Okay. And I was working as a, as a product manager at the time at Shapeways. And um, I, I spent the next four years um, building global comics as a side project, just kind of really having a lot of conversations with comic creators and figuring out like, what are their needs and, and what is bad about the existing tools and platforms and what does their ideal world kind of look like? Okay. And I use that as a precipice for learning the engineering side of things All right. so that when in 2019, at the end of 2019, when um, I was shuttering a company that I'd been working for for a while, the CEO of that company basically said to me, like, I've seen this thing that you do with comics. I'd like to be your first angel investor. So he wrote me a check kind of sight unseen and said, OK, go at it. And that's what gave me the opportunity to start working on global comics on a full time basis. And then this was right around the start of 2020 and the pandemic hit. And so everyone was working remotely. Remotely, and like everything changed. <laughs> All of the places that you would normally go to, like conventions, in order to like meet people in the industry or meet creators or, or find people to talk with, um, all of that got shuttered. And so we kind of needed to spend the next two years building up Global Comics as a community and as an ecosystem entirely, 100% online first, um, which kind of brings us to where we are today. But it's also right at that moment where I think we we had the first little chance. Yeah, had, um, yeah. yeah, I remember that. The site's about like two, three years old. It's like a full-on website, but the idea is much older. Yeah, I mean, I you know, the the... the website has been publicly operational since august of 2017. Okay. it's a digital comics publishing platform that is entirely self-serve whether you're a creator or a big publisher you can start publishing and be live within five minutes it doesn't cater to specifically us comics or specifically japanese manga or or mm. vertical web comics like the vertical scroll style yeah, yeah. where uh we're a single community and a single destination for all forms of comics and all forms of creators um and i think uniquely so like when i look at you know what's available to people elsewhere you know it, it's kind of like you have comicsology in one hand and it's kind of your traditional comics publishing group um and then you have platforms like webtoons and tapas that is you know kind of entirely in the vertical scroll comic form yeah um and then you have some some platforms here and there around manga right which is almost entirely around japanese comics for us like for me i'm like it doesn't make any sense to separate all of this and to have people need to go to different places it's all comics and the, the people that are part of the comics community should have the opportunity to discover stories by people that aren't necessarily created in like one format and that's what global comics is today it's it's a community of thousands of creators and hundreds of professional publishers actually coming together to bring their stories in one destination okay that's valid that makes sense i can I can understand I understand the vision a lot more in a lot of ways I get it and I think in a lot of ways like you know a lot of people were very interested in the in a, in a place like that existing because uh, every time that it kind of seems to exist it goes away I guess the next question I'm just gonna get into is like okay cool you've got all these ideas you've got this site that you're working on 
who else, like how big, is, how many people are also working on this with you? Who else is, I guess, um, believing in the dream, if you will? <laughs> yeah, sure. We are a really small team, um, relatively speaking, compared to like every other platform you hear about. Mm. We started out with two and a half. That is like one dude's, uh, he's doing our, you know, hardware and security and infrastructure and servers and all that kind of stuff, but he's not going full. Yeah. And then, so 2020, it was a, a gentleman called Eric Tapper and myself who were the first people to work on Global Comics full time. Since uh, I, I'd say the start of 2021, we brought on board our head of community, Kevin Van Ness and um, Kat. And um, they're kind of in the space of community management and social media management and creator onboarding, creator success, and creator promotion and curation and all of those types of things. Um, and We've had the four of us up until mid-September when I brought on board the fifth full-time person, a guy called Scotty Jule, um, who I worked with at one of my previous companies at, at Shapeways, who's um, our head of design and user experience now. Okay. And so while we are five full-time people, um, we're kind of filling the roles of 15 and it's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That's... Like we're, we're, wearing, we're wearing many, many, many hats. Um, and I'm, you know, me personally, not only the CEO and founder, I'm also the lead engineer yeah, um, yeah. and head of product. There's not a lot of sleep that happens <laughs> these days, I'd say. I mean, okay. No, that, make, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like that's usually the, the, the startup experience, I guess, nowadays, because, you know, you, you gotta, you, you gotta reduce costs at the start. Cause that's usually how companies crash. Yeah. Too many people and do too little. Cause there's not enough to do for a full staff team, but it's just too much to do for a small team. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're a hundred percent spot on. Yeah. And actually I, I'd say that the comics industry and the comics, like brother comics community at whole, it is especially true. Um, and it, it's kind of like, it's one of th these conversations that I've been having over and over again with people. But like, so imagine that two and a half years ago, someone came to us and said, okay, we're going to give you a um, $10 million, build the best comics platform in the world. There's been a lot of those cases, whether it was 10 or it was three or it was five or two or whatever, right? But they, they got a significant amount of money <laughs> and they've all shuttered. And part of my theory for why that is, is because what they tried to build was a transactional platform, not a, not a thriving community and a thriving ecosystem. Mm. And the building of communities and building of ecosystems isn't something that you can throw money at in order to accelerate. It's something that you have to do legitimately and you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to have other people believe in what you're doing. And that takes time, right? Like you have to prove yourself and your values and your commitment every step of the way for a long period of time before people start, you know, paying attention to, to what you're doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think on a, I think we can both agree on that a lot is a very common issue that the industry has. Like I can't even be, be in disbelief because that's what I expect. Um, <laughs> it's unfortunate that that's the reality and yeah. I'm not going to lie. It has made, you know, our, um, on-ramp into the industry a lot harder than it might've been in, and, um, maybe other fields, I'd say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I guess what I'm going to get, what I want to say was like, I agree with you on the unsustainability and like difficulty of entering our industry. And I really want to get into some of the reasons I think it might have been difficult for you. Some of the reasons that I have, because I've been 
at least in at least in the web comic industry. I'm a comics fan, but as a web comics person, I've been in the industry now going on six years uh, from a very different perspective. I know, so I'm not going to come in and pretend like I know what all the business stuff is. I'm not going to say that to you. I'm not going to talk to you like you don't know what you're doing. So don't misunderstand. <laughs> Because that's, I think that, I think hey, that would as be. As long as we're, we're, we have an interesting conversation, I'm game. All good. <laughs> I'm so worried about <laughs> what I was gonna, what I was gonna get to with this was like background, just, just for other people, just to make sure it's all there. One of the things a lot of people are curious about is size of your site and i think it'll be good mm -hmm. i think the two best indicators for size of a of a website are your mau and your total creator user your total up total number of uploads sorry so mm -hmm. i don't know if you have those stats on i mean i know you are a big stats person i know you like collecting that would you be, would it be possible for you to tell or at least indicate roughly what like your monthly active users is like yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. <laughs> Your timing is impeccable. Um, we're we're literally today. I think like about an hour ago, we sent out a press release about like our mm. um, growth, and it, with some graphs that kind of like shows the trend over the past year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of like includes you know everything from from readership to conversion rates to. Um, consumption and, and people subscribing and donating and, and buying PDFs and these types of things. Of course. So on a on an annual basis, like actually kind of if you want to look at stats in real time on the Global Comics website, if you happen to find yourself on the start publishing page, yeah, the top three numbers are actually reading live from like from our database. And the top three numbers you'll see there is yeah. that right now there are 22,700 published books. Yeah. There are 200 publishers. And in the last year, we've had 1.2 million unique visitors. On a monthly basis, that roughly equates to something like 110,000 uniques. Okay. All right. At this time. And that's up from, you know, like if we look back a year, um, maybe 30,000. So, so we've had, you know, over 350% growth over the last year. Yeah. I know. Or I, so. I know that for a lot of people, they will see 1.2 million uniques or like a hundred thousand a month. And like, they will try to, they would try to contextualize it from the perspective of like, well, Webtoon gets 72 million a month. And, I'm, and I, I fully understand why. And also how big of a deal it is to go up 350% in a year. So like, I appreciate that that is a meaningful statistic here. I'm just saying this more as like a, for everyone else, <laughs> as like a contextualization of like, as someone who's worked in tech, I, I totally see the value in like, even though that number isn't where all the bigger players are, that number is a significant increase, which is either evidence of better marketing or people more willing to land on your page because something to offer well i want to double click on that and and i, I appreciate that yeah. you that you kind of bring it out and so the first thing i want to do is contextualize like mm -hmm. what is our focus been? our focus has been for the last two and a half years in building the best possible platform for creators and publishers and making sure that the needs that they had and the differentiation that we would need to offer value to them beyond the yeah. pure readership perspective was solved Right. The second part of that focus has been on um, onboarding as many creators and as many publishers as possible. 
because marketing a content platform without any content is just about impossible. And so the only way that like the only path that we had for growth was to 10x the value that we could give yeah. to the creative side in order to convince them that yeah, our yeah. platform is the right place for them. Primarily, you know, like in the last six to nine months, that's been like the, the yeah. growth has been ridiculous in the sense that we, we've had our um, catalog size double um, in the yeah. last six months alone. Just kind of speaking to that acceleration part. And the second piece that I think is very, very crucial for me to kind of mention is we've done all of this without a reading app, a native mobile application, yeah. which is table stakes for, for I mean, um, finding consumers yeah. and being able I to... I mean, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> <laughs> when we spoke two years ago for the first time, I said to you, it's so key to have a mobile app. And you weren't a big fan of the idea back then, if I, as far as I remember. Or at least you weren't as interested in the idea back then. It was a timing question. It wasn't um, interested uh, at all. It was more a, that's a distraction for us right now. I see now. you. I see kind you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think I think in the perspective I was coming from, and like I guess we're at a point where I can actually kind of bring it up. I think personally, and you know, maybe you disagree, that like the key things of web, a webcomics platform supposed to hit to maintain good readership blah 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 and everything is it's got to have an app <laughs> it's got to be especially if it's new it's got to be looking at the creators especially those who are unhappy with the current offerings and like reaching out to them and it's got to be doing some marketing of some kind now that last one is very variable and there's a lot I have to, I usually would say on that, but that's usually my three top things. So it's interesting to me and nice to hear that you've been talking to creators a lot because I know you have, and I know you have from the start and it's good that you're, I, I know that you're also thinking about the app. I know that you already have a development studio on the app, although I don't know how long and far away that is. And as for the marketing, well, that's part of a later conversation, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting to see where you are going. I guess we're all just a little, say we, I am, for me particularly, I am a little, there's a few things that I would probably like, talk, I want to talk about and see where your thoughts are and then see where you are. Because I don't really want to like bias mm -hmm. anyone listening to this and make them think that, you know, whatever I'm saying is right. I just want to mostly see where you are and hopefully help them Sure. Come to a better conclusion of our <laughs> Let, Let's do this. Okay, cool. So the next thing I was going to ask is gold is out now. Global Comics Gold is your basically your Netflix subscription because you guys have some paid content. And instead of making people pay per thing, you have another system where they can essentially pay wholesale to read all locked off paid content. Am I getting that right? That's correct. Good. Yep. Um, read all locked off paid content for a monthly subscription of what is essentially $8, $8 a month. It's not your fault that Twitter is doing that too. Because honestly, that $8 thing really <laughs> threw me off when I first saw it. Like, I, I knew you were doing it. But like, you know, the, the, the $8 Twitter association is not... I know that that's just an accident. But, um, <laughs> but, um, for about eight, hey, they were four ninety nine for a while and I know. two ninety nine before that. I just, uh, I just <laughs> look, it, the, the recent, we live in recent, in recent times, that number is stressful, yeah. but as, an, as you know, you got an $8 subscription, they can read any of the things. And if you're a creator and you pay that $8 subscription, you get advanced analytics on top of already what are, in my opinion, pretty good analytics and marketing tools, which tells me and I'm you know hopefully I'm not being presumptuous it tells me that 
to some extent, the website is making an amount of money. I don't know if it's a good amount of money, but an amount of money. What would you say? Yeah, is like uh, absolutely. Cool. Um, I mean, we're we're uh, on an absolute dollar value. There's ten times as much coming in now as it was um, at the start of the year. Yeah, but it's not. You know, like until we launch our app and we we really focus on the broader um, consumer marketing and consumer acquisition. Yeah. Like those numbers aren't going to be where we want them to be, Valid. and where we want them to be fundamentally is in a place where creators have legit opportunities to come on board our platform and to find financial success. Valid, no, that makes right? sense. In the same way that they can do with Twitch yeah. or with YouTube or you know Spotify, yeah, and so on and so forth. I think I think we live in an environment where there's a lot of people I've met over the years that will tell me that our industry is unsustainable. And frankly, I'm going to be real with you. As someone who really likes our industry, I think our industry is unsustainable. But <laughs> it's interesting to see someone actually trying to make the monetary situation, if not possible for all, at the very least, fair that anybody could potentially achieve it. So I was going to just ask, and you can tell me, you can tell me to fuck off if you want, it's fine. Uh, I was going to ask, <laughs> what is, like, can you give me a rough estimate of what, the last, or I mean, like the largest monthly payout you've given out to all your creators is as a total. Well, I'm going to break it down in a different way. Okay. There are like, even as small as we are right now, there are more than just a small handful, okay. so, like a decent amount of creators cool. that are making a couple hundred dollars monthly. Cool. And they're making it off of a combination of donations and, um, digital download sales yeah. and uh, subscription revenue. And yeah. so that there's really kind of three revenue streams that go into how they make that amount of money. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And that's actually, that actually answers quite a lot for me. I did some back of the t back of the napkin math today. and uh, I, I realized that Webtoon pays, paid out pays out about every year over, just over a mil, million dollars. Yeah, just over a million dollars. So I guess for me, it was just to roughly see where you were at. So this is, that's good enough information for me. So then I, I got, I got two questions that are a little bit of a litmus test. And this is, this is kind of important. Yeah. I think a lot of people will hinge a lot of their belief in you based on your answers to two of these questions. Cause you know, just the way people are. Um, I think the first one is, you know, this is kind of out of place where we're at, but just hear me out. What are your opinions on NFTs? <laughs> I was waiting for someone to actually directly ask me that question. I'm surprised no one has. Um, look, like, I'll be I'll be blunt with you. Yeah, I think that the concept of NFTs as they are created right now is a lowest common denominator entry into the blockchain market for something that isn't a sustainable or viable business model. Yeah, I think there was a lot of hype that was created around the concept of NFTs. Yeah, because there were people wanting it and willing it to be a money maker for themselves. Yeah. I don't think that ultimately it has any form of, in its current model and implementation, end customer um, use. Cool. Now, I say that because I'm a product person. I don't like solutions looking for problems. I like problems, problems looking that need solutions. solutions. Yeah. And NFTs was the former, not the latter. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to get into a whole long blockchain conversation, but I fundamentally believe that like the system in, in question was one that was more about a fuck you get mine mentality and less about a how do we make money in an era where it's hard to own our own stuff kind of mentality so i am glad that like at least from a product perspective you see it that way i think that's a that's an answer that i 
I'm okay with. I think some people might see it as a little bit of a very corporate answer, but you know, it's what it is. I, I mean, I can I can double click further and say that like <laughs> I have no plans whatsoever to ever implement NFTs valid. on the global company. Very valid and very um, important. But that's NFTs in the ways that they are now. Like mm. if in 10 years blockchain technology has evolved to some like really awesome crazy use case that everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this is fantastic." Mm. And the community can get around that and like community sentiment and adoption is one that indicates that we should support it mm. then we would support it but it, it's not like look it, it, this also comes back to to the fact that you know mm. one of our core pillars is community and it's it's um thriving ecosystem yeah if something is as divisive and as um detrimental to community health as nfts is i i don't understand why you would <sighs> If you are a business that is catering towards building a community, willingly take that risk upon yourself when all you need to do is do nothing until a better solution appears. Or even just try and create a better solution that isn't that. Very honestly, yeah. Okay, good. This That's such a good answer. I think what I was going to go to next is... um. And I, I just want to, I want you to use exactly the wording that you think is the most applicable. What do you think your relation how would you describe your relationship with creators <laughs> it's a funny question that, that you say because you would probably say that my first go-to answer is uh is very corporate um i consider myself a subservient leader mm. um but i say that because my background is in product management where the role of being a product manager is to create roadmaps and to define things that teams need to do but you have zero authority to tell them to do it in the first place mm. and so it's kind of like Herding cats, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my role, as far as Google Commons goes, and as far as like to the creative community, like I, I very much want to see myself put on a hat and, and somewhat of a torch um, and walk in front and be like, there are opportunities here for this community and for, for creators in general to, to find success and to find communities and to find friends and to find, you know, um, colleagues and all these things that I think the comics community is so good at doing in general mm. in a place where where it's welcoming right yeah. like in inclusive of everyone um kind of regardless of if you're if you happen to be born in the right country and and that really is my mission when i talk with the teams internally and we talk about you know like every organization has these mo moments or transformative moments when you kind of like choose um what are the kpis that that you want to build your business around right mm. and for us that is creator success now the interesting thing about creator success is that that doesn't necessarily just mean money and it doesn't necessarily just mean readership. Yeah. And so it means that um, we have to be very in tune with and have, you know, like a lot of open and transparent conversations with our community and with our constituents on what it is that they want to achieve for themselves. And then our job is to find out how much, if if not all of it, can we realistically help facilitate and and help build that platform for them to be successful and that's my role all right that's a that's an that's an answer i can get behind i'm with you all right cool i know those were two kind of out of the place but i just wanted i i think where our community is at is in the place where like you know someone who's in it it's in a very vulnerable place i mean when is it not vulnerable when is every web comic creator not constantly making themselves vulnerable but i think in the community the way our community is at right now is very vulnerable 
because I teach high school, right? And when you teach high school, there's a there's a thing that you, they say you you do with kids. You, you if you give kids a situation that is very relaxing and very safe, and you take that away from them, you form like a very um, what you what they call an unsecure attachment. Uh, and I think a lot of web comics, especially, is just full full of unsecure, terrified attachments to people, things, and industries at large. With everybody doing their best to just kind of power through it and i think they're i don't want them to get hurt anymore so like when i ask those questions it's a it's a bit of a litmus test for them and for me as to whether or not believing in your company believing in you is something that they should decide to do because those are questions that they don't get to ask very often um so i appreciate that and you know like i i also that in that sense right like i also want to be real mm. are we going to solve every problem for every creator nope not possible even if we want to still not possible are we gonna try our best and strive to like create a thriving healthy ecosystem that isn't full of you know these pitfalls every corner yeah. be damn sure that that's what we're gonna try to do so yeah no that's i, I appreciate yeah that. that's that's actually a pretty good i think to some extent that is better than over promising in, in, in many ways because we get over promised a lot so now we've done like the background. Everyone can stop annoying me. I can now get to the, the I think I think for me, where I'm the most interested, because I think no matter what, what kind of company you turned out like it turned out to be, I'm very focused a lot on what I would call brat like hard facts, right? Um, or like mm -hmm. about like the things that I'm concerned about. So for example, I understand now a lot more about the direction your company wants to go in, your purpose, you know. I, I think we've talked about that. We've kind of touched on those topics. I'm not going to waste too much time. I guess what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is you said, you mentioned direct-to-consumer, your, your direct-to-consumer marketing, or as I would put it for people who are listening, your marketing to readers is something that you're moving towards. Mm -hmm. Right now, you're not there. That's how you've that's how you've come across it to me, right? Um, I, yeah, uh, a lot of your focus right now has been creators, creators. That's kind of it. Just every creator of any size, big or small, you're just trying to get into their space, into their face, trying to get them to give you their faith. Um, I guess what people are going to kind of what people are going to kind of latch onto there is a little bit of why did you. Why, why are they not done? In, why did you not do them in tandem, for example? A lot of creators, I know when, especially when, I mean, as you well know, especially when Webtoon tweeted out the whole we're ending creator rewards thing and mm. everyone was upset, <laughs> to put it lightly. As you well know, Global Comics was, I think it was trending that day in California. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we may. Yeah, it was trending in California. Yeah. You know, people were talking about you. People were bringing you <laughs> up all the time. You know, as someone who at that point known of you and known you for a little bit of time, I was sitting there like, okay, yeah, no. And I, I made, a, a, my opinion, a strong case about why I like your website. But in a lot of ways, I think for a lot of people, what they're going to look at that is like, one of their biggest art complaints was, this looks like it's only going to, mar it's only marketing to creators and has no understanding of a core part of what creators are looking for, which is well, readers, right? Would you say that is a fair assessment? <laughs> I mean, um, I, the further back in time we go, the closer to 100% accurate yeah. that sentence will be. I can give you some of the, the context, yeah. right? So when I talked with you um, in 2020 yeah. and April or whatever it was, you know, we, we had a couple of hundred comics. Yeah. And 
when the juxtaposition of us as a platform is other platforms with thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of comics um it's very hard to for us to try and say okay well we're going to do a consumer marketing focus and go toe to toe with people that have infinitely more resources than us on their home ter- on their home turf yeah and so you know like that combined with like i said we are a really really small team yeah um we have zero vc money on our cap table at this yes we've been funded primarily by angel investors for the past three years we have intentionally taken a, a slow burn on on our spending and on our staffing growth which also means a slow burn on marketing spending yeah because marketing whether it's the simplest common denominator of advertising yeah uh, requires resources and if those resources aren't money it's time or people and we didn't have either of those Valid. and let me juxtapose that with right now right like right now we we don't have hundreds of comics we have tens of thousands of comics yeah and so kind of on the spectrum of of how do we move from being creator focused in our marketing to being consumer focused in our marketing comes with this idea that we can bring a reader into the platform mm. and there will be enough for them to read and come back to for more than a couple of hours the first day right like, yeah. yeah yeah i'm with you on that which was the case when when we first started and at the same time, right? Like, so, so let's say we had prioritized building our mobile application two and a half years ago. Yeah. They would get a mobile app that would take them into a platform that had maybe three days worth of reading and then they'd gone through everything. Yeah. That's not the kind of experience that um, creators want their, their readers to have. What they want is for the readers to come in and have a lot of great delightful experiences and to be able to say okay well that was really cool how do i find more like this yeah and so they stick around so that by the time the next chapter or the next page or or next volume or whatever it is comes out those people are still around and they're reading and and they're they're engaged and they have a way of saying oh this thing that i was reading that was really cool there's a new thing out right mm. um and so for us the the like proverbially, if you had a switch that you could just kind of like flip, it's with the launch of the mobile application. That That's how we go into... Your direct-to-consumer, yeah, okay. And the last thing I'll kind of say is that like, when you're looking at the tactics of how do you, um, how do you, how do you capture readers or how do you reach readers, there's only so many channels of that. Yeah, I mean like, yeah, you've got the creator acquisition one where you basically steal them and then they bring their audience. That's the one that most people kind of use now, which is fine for for some amount, but it yeah. like it becomes um, very quickly you you reach a bottleneck um, going definitely. that route. Yeah, definitely. And and so like, what are your other options? Well, you know people who said Facebook and Instagram advertising and post, you know, posting, posting is out the window, not worth your time just posting organically really on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, it's entirely pay to play. Yeah. Um, But then the conversion rates are bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, if you don't have any content to to like keep people around, it's it's even worse. Yeah. But also kind of like, and, and this is 
where it kind of goes into like sales theory in a little bit. Um, if you're not meeting the consumers with the type of experience that they're expecting, they're not going to stick around either. That's true. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, meeting consumer expectations. And so in, in the simplest of tactical example, a channel that isn't available to us until a mobile application is live is App Store marketing. Yes. And App Store marketing can be reduced down into a single cost metric, which is cost per installation. Pretty much. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. You don't have that when you're a website and your only channels are <laughs> Google and Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think fundamentally the share people underestimate the sheer value of being able to Google, like being able to go into the app store, write comics, and then just find an app and how much value that adds to the the proliferation of, of a specific platform or website or application. Yeah, 110%. Yeah. So, okay. And no. it, it's more than that even too, right? It, it's that like, you, you use the internet, right? Like, do you remember every website that you've clicked a link into in the last week? <laughs> okay yeah 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 like yeah. do you remember every app you downloaded in the last week definitely yes i download very few so there's something there too right yeah i'm with you on that i can see where you're coming from in terms of like the sheer the, the required amount of thoughtfulness but also how memorable it is to do that action i think i think on like a design perspective i'm gonna get i'm gonna do a little bit of design nerding for a second but design perspective right there is something very important about that tactile requirement to choose install and you know accept permissions that like makes you want to come back to it because you gave it access to the most private information on your phone, whether or not you care or not, that still kind of affects the way you um, approach the website or or application. So I'm with you on that. And I can see why you're waiting and holding off until then. I think it's caused a lot of, I think I think the perspective of like, the lack of reader, out, reader um, outreach has caused a lot of uncertainty. In fact, one of the most common questions I got was, What's your reach? How far do you reach? Who do you, <laughs> you know, like, um, what is your audience number? What are your audience numbers? I think a lot of them are a little bit concerned, but at the same time, I don't think they, they're looking at it from that perspective of like the, that, that like slow burn, long-term gain game thing, you know, like we got to get this right. That way we can get this right. I don't think they're always looking at it like that because they're very used to the What's the word I could use? Uh, fiery passion <laughs> of web comics marketing, which is spent a million dollars on ads in New York City on a train, and then nobody looks at it. <laughs> Fucking Jesus. Yeah, I mean, we've raised less than a million dollars over the last three years, like staffing our our uh, five six people. You know, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most people don't understand the concept of needing to make trade-offs in like what you do when, mm. because it's like, oh, it should be really easy, right? Like just do this and this and this, and it'll only take you like two and three days. And like, you put it together and like, blah. And you're like, yeah, but what about the 50 million other? Hey, just <laughs> do this and this and this. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Prioritization is, is hard yeah i think on another level as well they're used to having a larger amount of investment coming in immediately yeah so for them that do this and this isn't then it's not coming from a bad place it's a lot of like well usually 
you guys, companies, have like $50 million to burn. And I've watched richer companies burn more money on dumber things. And then I think that's how they're looking at it as well. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's unfortunately a trend that we've, we've seen people um, waste a lot of money with. Um, yeah. But, you know, like the one thing that I will say um, to to those folks is that, like, don't let my words convince them. Yeah. If you go on Twitter, just kind of at any point in the last six months, you're going to see a lot of creators that are saying, hey, on platform X, I only got some amount of readership. I brought my stuff over to Google Comics and I've had a 10, 20, 30, whatever fold increase in readership in comparison. Mm. Um, and a lot of that is actually centered around one of the other design philosophies that we have is that when you look at some of the other platforms, there, there's a lot of readership, but so much of it is concentrated on a very small amount of creators or, or series. Yeah. You can, you can really tell um, that that's the case by how rich and how granular the discovery be, the discovery filters um, that are available to you as a reader are. And that's something that we've kind of taken the in, the polar opposite approach, which is that we, we're giving people filters and discovery mechanisms to be very, very specific and being able to find something that is, is like very specifically meaningful to each individual. For example, right? Like I'm only interested in horror comics that involves time travel and aliens <laughs> that practice martial arts, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, like being able to be that that specific and granular also means that people can can be discovered and and come into a recommendation engine from a similarities perspective that way. And so it's no understatement to say that there's been you know, thousands of creators that have come on board in, in the last couple months that are very, very literally comparing their their readership data and whatever is available of analytics and other platforms to, to global comics and actually seeing more readers. So if that's if if that's the outcome that they're seeing right now before we've focused on readership, I really can't wait to see what happens once the app comes out and we we turn on the fire hose, proverbially speaking. Yeah, makes sense. I think since we since you brought that up, really good to bring up the um, increase in readership. I guess this is where we start to talk a little bit more techie stuff for a sec. All right, sure. You have an algorithm. <laughs> I would hope that you have an algorithm on your website for recommendation and for steering people around. Um, when it comes to design, I think that's a different conversation. But I think right now, people are a little bit worried about, people are a little bit concerned about what your algorithm is. Now, I know you can't tell me how it recommends because that would defeat the purpose. But I guess the question I'm, I want to understand is, as you've rightfully pointed out, a lot of platforms have their, a lot of their views concentrated in like five places. <laughs> you know, they all have a quote unquote featured section. Right, mm -hmm. uh, where they concentrate, where they where they purposefully concentrate their viewership and their readership, and everything else gets kind of obfuscated behind the wall and another name uh, away from everything else. Right now, mm -hmm. from the global comics as I've used it, it's pretty much just a free for all, which is great. 
to me. Um, I think it was, you know, it makes it more of a YouTube of comics than Webtoon ever was and ever could be. So I guess the question I was going to ask was, how is your recommendation engine working? Like, are you, is this based on what, what I read? Do you form like a, do you do like a YouTube and you form like a slow understanding of who I am and what I like, and then you start to give me that kind of content? I mean, um, yes and. Okay. <laughs> so, so before I answer that, like specifically, right? Yeah. Um, I need to tell you about our principle. Um, and this is this is very, very closely being crafted in the upcoming app. And you okay. can see some of it on the on the website already. Yeah. Um, there are three forms of discovery mechanism inside of our platform or ecosystem. Yeah. There is what we call choose your own adventure, which is your browsing and filtering and kind of like, I'm looking for something roughly shaped like this. Let me find something roughly shaped like this. Yeah. Right. And inside of that, that path, there are different ways of, of sorting and scoring results, right? Newest or most popular or most viewed or, or whatever. We'll, we'll get back to what most popular means in a little bit. And so you, you can kind of discover things that way. There are two more that are equally, equally important inside of our platform. And one of them is curated by us and what that means is that we have like i was was mentioning about kevin and cat earlier we spend a lot of time looking through and finding comics new and old and, and surfacing these and and giving people to the best of our ability mm. a fair shot at being discovered and being picked up without them having to do much of a much on their own right and and putting them into what you'd call proverbially the featured section. The Global Comics homepage has a lot of those sections. We, we kind of just call them content sections. Um, and, and they're like curated groups of, of things that change multiple times a week. And so um, over the course of a month, there are hundreds of people being featured um, already, even, even already now with as, as small of a team as, as we have. And the last of those three, the three paths is um, personalized for you. Personalized for you doesn't mean that there's one algorithm that says, okay, here's what you get. Personalized for you is a spectrum of different things. And okay. so one way that that surfaces is here's some recommendations for you based on your previous reading habits, right? Yeah. Similar to what you were, what you were suggesting. Yeah. Um, Another way that that might show up is here's recommended reading for you, new and updated, based on things in your library um, or based on people that you follow. Mm. We also have, bec because we have the really, really deep granularity on, on filters that go beyond genre, right? Like we have art styles and, and comic formats and themes and time epochs and like all of these these little pieces of metadata. It gives us inputs, I should say, for being able to say this is similar to that. And so even in the context of let's say you jump into a comic, any comic, um, because someone sent you a link, mm -hmm. we're able to make rather meaningful suggestions for hey, if this thing is interesting to you, here's other things that are really similar that have a similar kind of activity or popularity profile. Mm. That's the thing that you're looking at. Okay. And so 
it's not really correct to say the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> There's many different ways that we try to surface many different things to people in, in different contexts. Yeah. And there are algorithms behind them. Of and course. most notably, and coming back to popularity again, most notably uh, is our popularity scoring. Mm. Popularity scoring looks at a whole bunch of different inputs, right? Like it looks at readership, yes. It looks at um, engagement and reactions and people's sentiment and um, completion rate, right? It, it looks at, you know, all these things and a whole bunch more. But unlike most other places, we did a little fun little twist on it. Like we weigh um, the value of inputs closer to now much, 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 much higher than the value of inputs towards the end of the period that you're looking at. So if you're saying what's most popular in the last seven days, if there's inputs that happen in the last two days, that's like 50 times more important than things that happen six days and Three 18 hours. Ago. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the same thing for 30 days, 90 days, a year, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And what that actually allows for happening is that creators that come on board into the platform that does some amount of like small amount of their own self-promotion elsewhere, driving readership in, the algorithm picks up on that and is able to automatically surface that out to people that are that are interested in, in similar stuff using the similarity mechanism that I was just describing. And the the value of having like new like closer to now rather n not necessarily new series but activity that happens closer to now allows for the popularity to be a little bit more of a of a trending and and even more so a tool that uh helps creators reach audiences as long as they put in some amount of effort on their own and so it, it's a mechanism that's designed around how do we help creators that are actually trying in any way, shape, or form to build their fan base or their following to reward them for doing so, as opposed to a completely kind of creator behavior neutral kind of algorithm that would be entirely based on the consumer side of things. Okay. All right. No, that makes sense. I guess what, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to repeat everything you said just to make sure I understand it fully. We've got we've got basically three paths here. We've got the your self-filtered recommendations essentially based on I want this and I want that. I'm choosing this and I want to see that. Mm -hmm. You've got the, the, the thing where it follows what you guys have chosen, what you've curated, what you call a featured selection. Um, which is very different from what every other platform calls featured, where they mean like a pay, like a, a, a space where they've paid people specifically to bring out comics. What you mean is you've got, hey, these are the things that we've looked at in the past X amount of time that we think is really cool and we think you should read just in general, right? And yep. then the rest of it is running off of your your popularity system, essentially, where it's like, Content that is that is actively looked at that the creators have actively that content, the content that is actively being read right now that the creators have themselves have promoted and pushed and gotten their audience to kind of regularly engage with that may also fit like the expectations you have but might also be a little bit different um, also has its own like day in the sun so to speak um, and I'm assuming that also and, and that also is something that happens for 
creators who are getting a lot more hits in all of their series, I guess, than they themselves are a popular creator get brought to the top because they're getting a lot more engagement on their entire library. And I guess the same thing goes for publishers in a similar way. Is that, am I getting this right? Am I? Yes, more or less. The the only thing I'd add to it is that it's not just popularity that, that um, power is mm. personalized for you. It's also like, as a as a reader it's like your mm. reading habits and they're not you know they're they're not all in one place like we might have a section that's based on what you read and we might have a section that's like similar to based on what you read and and so on and so forth right so we're we're kind of like playing around with how um, everything is yeah so that it doesn't actually just become a self-reinforcing echo chamber and we're, we're trying to find ways like how do we find stuff that that is is interesting for you that you might not otherwise discover i see i see no no that makes complete sense i think that's actually something i'm fully understanding now so it's a lot more youtube algorithm a lot less tiktok algorithm i think that's a good way of like seeing it it's not like if the you TikTok sprinkle style. in the curation part there's no one at youtube that's curating stuff for people that they're saying this is good stuff true they used to the trending used to be curated it still is to be honest but yeah i know depressing <laughs> i mean that that just makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> realizing that the trending tab is a very specifically highly curated section makes it a lot more sad when you realize the things that are on there <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not as granular as yours, but it used to be like they would choose a creator and you're like, you can always get trending. Uh, you can never get trending. That was like, that's a thing that they do. Mm. It's to stop what they consider bad actors from hitting trending by getting a lot of views for rage content. So that's a whole thing. Okay, that's, that's actually really good to understand in and of itself. I think for a lot of people, um, especially for me, as someone who has used the site relatively often, because I've just been trying to like understand what it's like to use it. I even downloaded it as a progressive web app, like you told me to two years ago. Uh, <laughs> oh God, that, I, 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 I rescind that recommendation. <laughs> you were like, listen, the progressive web app is where it's at. You were like, oh, the progressive web, you gotta download the website as an app. But um, that's... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but as someone who's been using it, I think one of the things I've had a little bit of a small issue with is when I hit the front page, the comics page, when you log in, right, with the Jumbotron and all the recommendations. And I know Jumbotron is an old word, just let, let me have it. But the Jumbotron and all the recommendations, it feels like I always feel a, little, I, a combination of overwhelmed and at the same time a little bit like I just, I usually don't scroll past what's trending and maybe suggestions. After that, everything else just kind of, that's a lot <laughs> like like that like i don't look yeah. past that and i think I, I i think for a lot of people what happened is they made an account they started using the platform and they found themselves doing a very similar thing so they were a little bit concerned as to everything beneath that is that just going to be dead space where nobody looks at it and i, I think that's why that's why i brought it up just so they could understand more the reality is yeah. um like it's a little bit of a luxury problem yeah um it, six months ago if we were having this conversation it wouldn't be as much of a problem a year ago definitely wasn't even a problem 
Yeah, because the whole thing fit um, on one page. <laughs> and yeah, and and like the reality of this is that uh, it, it's something we're very much aware of, and something that mm. you know the home experience of our app is is in many ways similar to what a home experience of of a website um, can be. Mm. And so, given resource constraints and time constraints, yeah, it's it's very much on our agenda to revise that web experience right after the app comes out i i think because i think both of those things are going to and, and and this is where i get into a little bit of design i guess i think both of those things and in general just design wise there's been there's a lot of things that like make because i'm you know both of us are very seasoned users of con of internet we're power users right mm. we're power users most people are not power users <laughs> i wouldn't hesitate to say 90 percent of people are not power users or don't even want to be power users. That's true. That leaves us in a situation where like what we find comfortable, what we find acceptable is substantially more <laughs> than what people will deal with. You know, like my family cannot handle a mo an old style bulletin board anymore. None of the people I know will go to a BB board at all. But I can tolerate all of it, including <laughs> a moderator tanking it because they got a divorce or whatever. Like that for me is a normal part of my life, right? Um, for them, that's like hell. So like uh, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, I go onto the website. I ended up having to get some outside consultants, if you will, to just kind of tell me how they felt using your website. People who have an interest just don't use it, right? They don't know about it. They've never heard of it. Um, and uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of an excerpt <laughs> from what they said to me. Oh, this is fun. I, I love these. Just don't hate me because they were not very nice. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I told them I was going to tell you and they still weren't very nice to me. But they felt like it was uh, a little bit corporate. I think partially because you only have white mode. That was one of, one of them said. Um, bloated. So like it felt like there was too much going on. It felt like, like there was always a lot coming at them. Um, or at least there was always something more to look at, but that just made them feel less, more exhausted, less curious. And they wish it was a little bit more like, um, there was a little bit more of a desire for them to go and look for stuff or have like a YouTube style recommendation where like they watch the video and then there's stuff they can look yep. at. Uh, and then they felt like it was confusing to navigate and a little unclear. One of their complaints a lot was a combination of the Jumbotron uh, that they get uh, because they felt like it was all too small, they couldn't like read everything. Like it would, they just you they didn't have the yeah. Which device that they were on? Because that's actually so, kind of important. I was on. They were using my desktop, so I got them to use my desktop or their own desktops. So they're they're using yeah. about and the average screen size was let's say about thirteen inches to twenty four inches. That's the range, uh, which I think yeah. is pretty okay. normal laptop to desktop experience. And like for them, it was a lot of like, like when they opened the, the Jumbotron, they would see like somebody's description and the comic and they were always like, oh, I wish it took up more space. <laughs> I wish like there was more room for this thing so that I mm. could just read it more comfortably was the thing they said. Uh, and when they talked about confusing to navigate, they were often talking about searching. They felt overwhelmed, overwhelmed with decisions. Like I'm one of them opened the search bar and said to me, why is the sidebar full of things that I don't... They said to me specifically, what is a teenager alien comic supposed to be? <laughs> um, and I think for them, what's happening is like the sidebar with all the options is really good for power users because we know what we're looking for. 
But when they opened the website, because it was just there, and they hadn't like gone out of their way to click on it and then look at it, they felt a little bit like it was a lot. They felt more like Amazon and less like YouTube. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that none of this was harsh. I think all of it was 100% spot on. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> and it, it actually, it, it mirrors like all of the conversations that I've had um, with people here also. I, I'll also add like other sentiments that, I, that, I, that I've gotten is mm. um, homepage loads too slow. Absolutely does. Yeah. Terribly slow at, at this time. And like in the reading experience itself, it can be hard to find like, how do I like this comic or add it to my library? Like th there's many of these, these user experience things, um, yeah. things. I love what your um, user testers were saying because <laughs> like literally every single sentence that, that, that you said has been subjects that we've had conversations on the app design itself. Okay, that's good. You know, like so. so take your your um, left side navigation, right? Like yeah, from the browsing experience. When that is reduced into a smaller kind of more, where the UX is closer to to um, discovery that you're used to in mobile applications. Yeah. Um, and the like filter groups aren't all in your mm. face, and you kind of like get to choose. You know, like oh, I I wanna I wanna filter by theme, and like the other option right next to it is I only care about free comics or paid comics, etc. It's much easier to make those choices. Um, yeah. as, as an example. Yeah. Um, the jumbotron. <laughs> Man, I I've got to tell you, like. <laughs> Um, we, we didn't have a Jumbotron until December of last year. And part of that was we didn't have enough comics to feature. And I so, see. you know, when, when Kevin and Kat started working full time, they're like, oh, Chris, we, we need ways to like spotlight these. Stuff. And I'm like, I know <laughs> I don't have a designer on staff. I'm not very good at like regular JavaScript. I'm going to hack some shit together for you. Is that okay? It will have to last you a while. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're like, yes, we'll take anything. Literally anything is better than what we have. <laughs> okay, I'm with you on that. I was going to ask why you didn't take cues from, I guess, from Webtoon, which is, a you know, which is where I would, I would have probably gone to. Like, I have a lot of problems with their website design. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like this is some fucking Leonardo da Vinci shit. But... Um, <laughs> Fundamentally, their top bar, I think, where they push their comics is, is very well done. I think that specifically is well done. It's um, like I can tell you exactly why it ended up being what it, what it ended up. Yeah. And there, there's two sentences that I will say that will have you understand like literally everything. Okay. Go. The first one is you asked for something simple, but I didn't have time. So you got something complicated. I see. Okay. Yeah. First thing. And the second one is so like i very much would like to do these these kind of like bespoke hero uh experiences and what do you call it carousel or jumbo yeah, or yeah. whatever but at the time when when i developed that thing i needed something that would scale to mm. being able to put comics inside of without having someone to, to design anything for it like just choosing the comic Without even having to call anyone, you just wanted to work. Yeah, I, I just I, I needed something that like didn't require a custom graphic 
didn't require a custom text, didn't require a custom headline that mm. could just like for for Kevin and Kat to be able to say, well, I'm going to plop this list of comics in and it'll just work like no more work required on our side in order for it to like do its job. Okay. Right. And so the measure of success for the Jumbotron specifically was those sets of criteria. Um, I, I think where it, it's far outlived its usefulness. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, now with having a, a head of design and user experience joined a couple of months ago, yeah, you know, 23 is going to see some very, very drastic changes. And yeah, yeah. I the hope... look and feel of, of the website, including, and I didn't miss this, uh, including <laughs> the ability to choose between a light and a dark mode even <laughs> in the mobile application. <laughs> I will never forget. I don't think I've I've never really told this story before, but I'll never forget Webtoon spending $150 per person to figure out if a dark mode would work for their app and then not putting a dark mode in for a year. So <laughs> a year after that $150 per person um, interview thing. So honestly, fair enough. I'm glad that you're actually going to do that. I think this is the user-creator dilemma, right? People want something incredibly complicated but it's also simple to use. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not it, realistic. And, and that goes back to the first sentence, right? Like, Yeah, you wanted something simple and I made something complicated because I didn't have time. I get it. Yeah. I actually really do get it. What I'm, what I'm thinking when I'm looking at like um, what you're doing and you know the way you've talked about how you're going to be designing your site, right? I think, I think a lot of what I hope is that it is something a lot more like the Mangarok app. And like in a lot of ways, I want it to, I, I think we all want it to be, like we've both agreed, complicated at the back, simple in the front. And I like that your, your, your approach is very similar to that. I like that your thoughts are very similar to that. I think for a lot of us, we're worried about losing readers the way Webtoon does. Because as of right now, you know, you opened Webtoon, I'm sure you have, I wouldn't trust you if you hadn't already. So I'm sure you've opened Webtoon a million times. And like... It annoys me that pop-up that shows up every time <laughs> more than 24 hours. Oh, great. Like, it's not I, just I'm me. not going to do that thing because that has made me like almost remove this app like so many times. <laughs> I am glad it's not just me. It yeah. is terrible. It doesn't help me. <laughs> And I think it's very frustrating when it when like it's very hard for me to know what's going on on a site wide basis, and then that's the only way they know how to give it to me. You know, I, I, I'm not a fan if I'm honest. <laughs> um, but okay, that's actually at least a lot of these design and like like programming questions, I guess, have all been very are all for me very in my opinion very valuable because it's all about understanding like what you want to become. I think that kind mm. of lets us know what to expect right none of us want to be on the titanic <laughs> like yeah, we're I'm already on the titanic. <laughs> yeah we're all, we're already on the titanic now you know like and we all hate it <laughs> like we're not well, even let's let's make some lifeboats or, or like a cluster of lifeboats and like... yeah Something Find better. an island together. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a lot. I think that's where a lot of creators want to go. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot more confident than I was a few weeks ago when I, when people were asking me about you, and I was like, I know you, I know the things you're doing, I have a lot of faith, but I also don't know where you're going. So I'm feeling a lot more, in my opinion, confident. So I'm just going to. I want us to move to one last design question, and then. And then we'll go a little bit more into some more uh, meta questions, if you will. 
how accessible are you planning to make everything? Like, I know in, as designers, both of us, we care a lot about, as programmers and designers, we care a lot about accessibility. That's just what our industry kind of builds into us, right? Mm -hmm. But like, the comic space has never cared in general, mostly because accessibility is expensive and accessibility doesn't make money. <laughs> What is what is your accessible? What are your accessibility goals for a comic website? I mean, I think it goes beyond just website, but like, yeah. accessibility is an interesting thing, right? Because yeah, it, it, it's such a broad spectrum. Um, yeah. Is it visibility? Is it eyesight? Is it is it screen size? Is it um, use of gestures and limbs? Is it you know like mm. wh what does that mean? I right? think for a lot um, of people, it's very much, and at least for us in comic space. Um, it's very much about like what are the options for people who either have very poor eyesight or are the options for people who don't have any proper mobility to be able to easily just like flick and scroll around. Yeah, we have this experimental mode for reading. We've had that, you know, since since we talked last, actually. Yeah. yeah. Unlike this panel to panel kind of um, immersive mode reading experience. Yes, I remember that and being a thing. It, it kind of like it, it simplifies the pinch and zoom gesturing for like reading on a phone, for example, right? Yeah. Um, like that. That's an example of simplifying navigation for people that might not be using their index and thumb fingers for pinching and zooming, like when they're yeah. reading. Um, yeah. But you know, like, like I, I don't feel it's fair to just kind of like say, oh, and that's the the end of our like idea for accessibility. I have yeah. experimented with personally, like in code, just for the for the sake of it to see how difficult it was, right? Like um, automating navigation and like panning around pictures. I've gotten to a 99.7% accuracy on optical character recognition and being able to like rip that out of an image um, and put it in context yeah. of something that could be used for um, visually impaired area, for example, right? That could also potentially be used for things like helping creators have their stuff localized. And localization is very much also a form of accessibility because not everyone reads About, and speaks yeah. English. Yeah, that's very true. And then like the Google Comic website, I'd say, doesn't really meet accessibility standards when it comes to contrasts and color choices, especially some of the grays on grays. But when, as we're yeah, designing orange on, orange on the, white. the app, <laughs> And with it, like the refresh of the experience on the web, it's actually very important for us that we meet those standards. Because mm. when people say like accessibility mode enabled or whatever, like they, they get this picture of, oh, it's like this very specific person that can or can't do X, right? But at, in the same time, yeah. like it could just as well be my mom who has gotten older with the years and can't read as well and like needs you yeah. know better interface for her to continue functioning in the same way that she did and so you know like i, I can't sit here and promise that we're going to do everything at once but certainly um yeah. on the design side we're we're very um, aware and attentive to to contrasts and legibility and and giving like user control for for that type of stuff on the consumption side, we very much want to simplify the experience when you're reading big comics on small devices. And yeah, then on, on kind of like text-to-speech and automation and, and that side of things, um, I, I think there's so much opportunity that there's a lot of value to be had 
in many different buckets at the same time by solving even one of the problems, right? Like separating or, or, or being able to programmatically have the text separate from the image opens up, you know, like text-to-speech, it opens up area, it opens up localization, it opens up many different things that, that can be worked towards with relatively simple investments. And as we next year go into our first VC fundraising round, and when we come off of that, we'll be equipped with resources to actually staff against most of these initiatives that I've been talking about. So I'm, I'm um, very optimistic in this regard. I think I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see the way you're going to progress based on what you've told me. Um, the VC funding is a little concerning, but hopefully it doesn't suddenly give all control to some guy <laughs> named. Well, the, the reality is, <laughs> or whatever. Right, like, um, we're very fortunate to have gotten as far as we have with Angel. Um, if we can get to like profitability with Angel, we're certainly going to go for that. Um, like for me, getting VC funding isn't a goal for okay. itself. Like the goal would be, you know, like yeah. we want to get our product or platform or our offering to some state and there's resources required in order to get there. Does it matter who's giving you the VC funding? It very much does. And, and like, that's why I've been very, very, very particular about who's gotten money or given us money so far and why we've, we've stuck with, <laughs> I am probably more picky about who I want on my cap table than who I'd hire. I think especially in our industry where, you know, the same like four people are everywhere. And also the reason why we deal with a lot of um, negative creator platform interaction, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's very important to who owns what. I know a lot of people who are not very happy with Naver and Cacao, for example, um, and would rather never see them again. <laughs> yeah. Simultaneously, I, uh, I know people who feel different ways about different things. I will not take funds from any um, corporate entity that isn't 100% aligned on our creator first perspective. Definitely. Like, if, if that in any way, shape, or form would be a deal breaker in the future, it's a deal breaker now. So, you know, between that and and also from a from an org structure perspective, I, yeah. I have in place some safeguards to ensure that you can maintain the, the outside people can't just come in and dictate what they want in any way, shape, or form. That it, it needs to be done in a way that aligns with the organization's um, intent. I can't really go too much into detail, but um, that, that's valid. That's valid. I respect that. I'm not gonna pry more than I have to. I mean, you're giving me already doing me a favor. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. So then, since we're here we're talking about corporate structure, we're talking about company stuff. Question: Who do you feel right now in your current state is your main competitor for what? Web comics? As Web in, for your platform? For regular platform. comics like traditional? Are you are you considering ish? Manga? Are you I don't know. Viz? Uh, <laughs> manga Plus? Uh, manga Dex? Uh, I don't know. I do you, so do you consider each a different avenue of your content output as like having separate competitors? Or do you not see your platform itself as a whole as having one or some major specific competitor? 
Um, I, I think that it would be disingenuous to the comic creators that have different, very different intents and reasons for mm. creating and yeah. types of output created to lump them all into one place and say, oh, well, their endgame would be Platform X. Okay. Like, I, I, I just don't see that as, as a good way to think about it because part of what makes us us is that we're differentiating against all of that. And we're yeah. we're being very cognizant of the different needs, right? And so, like when I say creator success, right? Like there are creators out there that only wanna only wanna build readers. There are creators out there that never wanna paywall their comics, but they still wanna make some money. Optionality for that could be like tipping donation systems. It could be advertising. It could be I see know, where you're from, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe sale of digital downloads. There are publishers in our platform whose only goal is to make as much money as they can, yeah. um, right? Because they are a business trying, trying to make money. Yeah, yeah. These creative entities have, have vastly different needs. And there are platforms out there that individually serve them okay-ish, I'd say. I don't <laughs> think that anyone really has properly cracked that nut yeah. um, for any of them. And so it's very hard for me to to say like, oh, we have one. No, we have mm. we have multiple different competitors depending on which vertical of comics or vertical of type of creators that we're talking about, which makes our job harder, but also it makes us more resilient because we get to offer something that none of them do, which is the cross pollination of exposing readers to stories of different kinds. And, no, I'm and with you like, none of them have that. And so. No? For for each of them, I, I'd presume that at some point they might say that we are a competitor for their for their primary business. I don't know if like it depends on how we end up growing, right? Like let's say we end up with five hundred thousand webcomic creators. Is that gonna be a big competition to to traditional formatting that's all book based? Maybe, maybe not. It's it might certainly be a competition on the audience attention span perspective but not necessarily on the platform itself. That's fair. Okay. No, makes sense. I, I, for me, I think there was, there was one answer I thought you were going to give and you didn't. I think it's quite funny. I thought you were going to give the Amazon answer. <laughs> if you don't know this, Amazon refuses to admit that they have competition. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's just inherently bad. <laughs> Like if when I, one of my friends worked at Twitch and then anytime you did anything that looked like you were competing with, for example, Mixer, you would get a citation from HQ. We don't compete with anybody. We just, we just do amazing work. Like that's their thought process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so, no, we certainly have competitors, but you know, <laughs> not. It's not as cut and dry as like, here's the one big baddie to, to watch out for type thing. Yeah, definitely. Now I'm with you on that. All right. I'm glad you, you've already, funnily enough, because we've talked, we've talked a lot about the marketing questions I have and stuff. I've got maybe like three more questions and I'm going to have to hit the creator, the ones the creators want me to ask you specifically so you can directly answer them and then they can feel seen. Cool. What I want to ask is, what would you say, I know you're going to tell me, well, we serve such different needs and it's such a wide space, but every website, whether they intend to or not, tends to have some kind of meta, you know, some kind of, this is the optimal content that gets the most clicks and the most readership and all that stuff. 
you know, YouTube's trending tab, if you will. <laughs> um, and I guess, do you know, people want to know if, if, you, if you're aware of what the ideal genre length style con comic content would be on your platform? Generally speaking, horror, action, sci-fi, romance, fantasy, adventure style stuff gets like the general most readership. But that's like, so here's an example, right? Like one mm -hmm. of the most popular um, popular comics in the last, I think, week, as per today, is this like webcomic, webtoon style comic about romance and snakes, I guess is the best way to it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And like they posted it about themselves and, and certain other communities like Reddit. And over the course of a couple of days, they, they ended up with, you know, 200,000 reads. Yeah, you're talking about second contact, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, so like whenever I get that question, I'm always reminded of, like, yes, you, you kind of, there there is generally, like, some form of, audience demographic that is prevalent over over others but it mm. but it isn't exclusionary in our sense right like i if you had told me for example let's say two weeks ago um do you think that you're gonna have like snake romance be the <laughs> one of your most popular comics in, in the future i'd be like probably not <laughs> right <laughs> okay but that just goes to show that you know it was it was really it's really easy for people to jump in and start reading and um yeah you know that, that particular creator also had something like an 85 percent retention rate of like readers throughout their books which is yeah. really really high yeah um, and so so they performed well okay yeah and i i, I think when you're quick where it is is like because you're because there's no walled garden anything can be popular as long as you sell it and they come there it could become a popular piece of content and anyone can see it. Very much like a YouTube situation. Yeah. As, as long as it's popular and it has the right clickability and it attracts people, it'll be popular. There's nothing going to like hold you back or specifically stop you from doing that. That's correct. And I, I will add one more thing. Mm. Manga has its own set of like genre-specific biases that are most popular. Web comics and vertical scroll comics has like have their own like you know set of of genres that is most popular to them yeah traditional comics like in the u.s superheroes is a thing right like yeah still <laughs> there's billions and billions of dollars worth of, of superhero movies in the past decade just to kind of like be a testament to that but for us, because because we're again because we're not limiting down into like a specific, and we're we're taking um, creators and content content from from all of these different formats and genres. Yeah, our audience tends to be more diverse yeah. across like the whole spectrum than than one that focuses specifically on um, their niche, as I'd say. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I I understand a lot more kind of the direction everything the, the a lot more kind of like the um the way the the platform the, the user behavior is so very linked to the way the platform's cross-pollination is um is allowing them to kind of have some emergent 
uh, activity that's very different from everywhere else. I think everyone's just still not used to that yet, which is unfortunate, but it, it should be more the norm in my opinion. I mean, I, I'm happy to pioneer it if, if it's successful, and, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get that Harvard Business Review article out. <laughs> change, change everything. I think one of the other ones I've gotten, uh, I told you earlier, people felt like the website's a little bit corporate. One of the things that lended itself to this was the association with publishers, the jobs tab, and um, the forums tab. But namely the publishers and jobs. And from what I'm fully understood, I'm just going to try and make sure I convey all these ideas well, because I also think of them a little bit. It's not that everyone hates publishers or anything, like, you know, you know, make make they need they people work there. It's important that they make their money too. It's more just like when you op if you open the website and you see a bunch of publisher names. I'm finding out that like for the creators in question that know them, they just feel a little bit uneasy because it feels like the website at any time might choose publishers over them. And for the readers uh, that are power readers, they know them, but they don't care as much. And the ones that do care a lot are already there. And for the average reader. They don't know who the fuck they are. <laughs> like I, I showed, I showed. Like I live in the UK. TPUB is a is a popular publisher in Britain. I know TPUB. I've read a substantial amount of the of of the stuff that they've published. I showed T, uh, the TPUB logo to one of my friends who reads comics, and they were like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> yeah, Neil is not a very good marketer, I'd say, and he admits it. <laughs> <frankly> himself. <laughs> But I guess for me, it's a situation of like a lot of them are, and I and no, no knock them. I have a lot of respect for what they're doing. I know, I, I I know I know most of these names, and I have a lot of love and respect for a lot of the things they've put out. But I think a lot of them are not. For the, the the audience is a little bit concerned about what their presence means, and I don't think it comes from a malicious place. I think it comes from an environment of being used to um, them being chosen over the average person. You know, like the YouTube thing of choosing Ellen DeGeneres over. I don't know, a regular YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, and you're right. The primary thing I can say there is uh, we're just going to have to let our actions, like, speak in our behalf. Yeah. Like, th this is the downside of, of having all of the formats and all of the types and, like, not really, you know, catering only to one audience is that um, there's going to be stuff there for other audiences than the people that you're necessarily speaking with or, mm. or are in the cohort of people you're speaking with at that particular time, okay. right? And it, it's kind of like the same case can be made for, for you know, comic readers that, that come off of the Kindle platform that yeah. are used to, you know, Marvel and DC, for example. And so then they come in and they're like, What's well, all this webcomic stuff? Like, yeah, yeah. Right? Who are these um, people? Yeah. And the reality is this like, look, we've been doing this for three years now. We have yet to pick favorites of publishers versus creators where we're giving everyone equal opportunity to get promoted. We curate and feature more creators than we do publishers because mm. there are more of them, amongst yeah. other things. And um, like, if I, if I, were to give like a case in point, go look at popularity for the creators tab. Um, you'll find that there are more creators that are getting active engagement and, and popularity and discoverability than there are publishers. Because yeah. publishers don't necessarily 
um, build the same kind of relationship or like connected relationship with their fans and with their with their readers as creators do. Yeah. Um, and so the result is like I, I know that my work being new to most people um, doesn't mean a whole lot. But the only thing I can say to that is that like we're doing our utmost best to make sure that everyone is represented and of course the, yeah the testament that you can get you can join our discord chat there's like 700 creators in our creator channel ask them what their experience has been like with being juxtaposed you know next to the heavy metals or the top cows or the humanoids right like uh or, yeah. or t pub for that matter yeah. <laughs> um, and if it, if they're if they're seeing success uh, and yeah. like how we treat all of these these groups or or individuals collectively and I, i'm yeah. pretty pretty damn confident that you're not going to find a single person that says that we're picking baby no that's totally valid I, my, my main thing was just to fully understand where you guys were at with that so that's for me that's good enough i know for others that might be different um and i, I and i guess the last question i've got is pretty much just about like the NSFW content, which you know, I think I've said I brought it up before, right up ages ago. We, we live in an age where there is a high chance, and I'm not saying it, I'm not trying to be prescriptive, I'm just trying to be like, I'm trying to look at it from the way everyone else has behaved. There is a high chance that we will end up in an environment where you are running ads because right now you don't really run ads, as far as I can see. Unless I'm do you mean banner ads? Just advertising in general, any kind of advertising, any kind of, um, you know, um, AdSense type thing, any kind of... There's an absolute 0% chance that I will ever in implement AdSense <laughs> or bad ads. Fair enough. Not AdSense. But you know what I mean. My point is advertising in general. Yeah, right? sure. Like, um, there's, a, there's, there's the non-zero chance that advertising is a thing that's going to happen. So what I was going to ask was... In an environment where you want people to advertise NSFW content for lots of complicated and shitty reasons is their number one, like, I don't want to see it. I want to know it exists. You know, Disney doesn't want to market in a place where little Timmy can occasionally read a comic where a, a boob shows up for stupid reasons that they contradict themselves. So, like, I guess the question a lot of people is, like, how is the treatment of NSFW content going to be? Uh, a lot of creators are used to it being very maligned, very hidden away. I think a lot of them are fine with some level of being hidden away if it lets the platform do well, but it's a matter of like, what is that going to look like? How are we going to, how, how is the platform going to go from, hey, look, I'm reading a comic about, us, about, uh, about I'm reading Calvin and Hobbes to, ah, uh, yes, I'm reading Smut. <laughs> like, how is it going to deal with that? Let me address ads first. Um, yes. I, I kind of was very explicit about it. We're, we're never going to run like traditional yeah ads it's not going to be adsense not going to be our banner ads not going to be a network ads it's far too high of a user experience detractor a security attack vector and just like pure out performance killer yeah terrible multiplier right yeah um yeah. and so we're not going to go down that route at all and most likely, we won't go down that route with app store type apps or type ads either, like generic, because mm. they also are terrible user experiences. <laughs> like, like the amount of apps that I've tried where you have to like sit and wait for the progress bar to maybe display 20 seconds later where like 
you know, like you yeah. might have already thought that something crashed and started tapping the ad, and the oh god, it's it's like filled with with terrible practice. Yeah. Um, and so, with that in mind, if and when we do advertising, it's going to be something that we develop entirely in house, which means that we will have a hundred percent control over what is acquired and displayed and served alongside things. Mm. And like part one, which makes it easier for us in many ways. Um, unlike NSFW, uh, so the Global Comics mobile application is going to be the highest age racing possible. It's going to be like, whether it's 17 plus or 18, I, I forget exactly, but it's going to be, you know, like um, we're going to try and get as much content in as possible. And the way I've thought about that from a, from a younger audience's perspective is um, we'll probably have a just slightly configured differently, separate build of the app, something like Global Comics for Kids. That will be its own wall garden that doesn't even see or interact with all of the stuff that is available in the full version of the app. Yeah. And by doing that, we were essentially just making two products, one product for the adult or the parent and one product that they can confidently give to their children and be like here go read stuff for five hours okay and that's the approach that we're taking to it because you know aside from outright porn which we're not going to do yeah. um there there's a you know like there there's a wildly different tolerance for there's a nipple in this scene whether you're in Europe or in the US. Yeah, you're right. And it, it wouldn't do anyone justice to um, arbitrarily draw the line on a particularly extreme level of Puritan um, censorship and apply that for everyone. And so to start, you know, advertising is going to be something that we do in-house so that we can control the quality and the, the context um and as for content juxtaposition there's going to be the the adult adult sounds wrong when i say it that way but like the non-child friendly version of global comics that has you know fighting and blood spatter and and these types of things mm. um as well as uh, partial nudity right like yeah. someone walked through the scene and a nipple was there is not oshako horror <laughs> yeah that is separate from like a global comics from kid for kids and like that kids yeah. friendly experience or kids safe experience um, yeah. could be ensured and compartmentalized in a way that um, there's no risk for for that kind of cross pollination. That makes sense. I think uh, the other thing I was going to ask about the ads, I guess, since we're here, how much of the ads do you think you would be comfortable with being where essentially it's like you are facilitating a creator communication where you essentially. You instead it's of telling far me, too early to answer any of that. Like, not sure, just way too it, early. It, it, this is one of those things where I'm like, I know that the we will consider ads at some point when yeah. we're big enough and have enough eyeballs. I know yeah. roughly the framework that it needs to be deployed. Um, yeah. and when we get closer to that, like months or years down the road, I'll think more about like that level of, of like granularity. granularity. That is actually completely valid. That's okay. All right. So I have a handful of creator questions and then you, you're free to go and you can live the life that you want. Um, <laughs> one of the ones I've got that people are really bringing up to me was uh, what direction do you think our industry is headed in? Like, how, like you know, it's felt very toxic the past year. 
a lot of people have basically turned into a horrible workaholics as a result of just not wanting to be broke. Where do you think it's going? Do you think you're going to go along with it? Or do you want to like be very different to the tide of the industry? That's kind of like saying, do you think spaghetti is a good representation of pasta? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, you're right. I'm not going to fight you on that. At the same time, they, they come, the way they're coming at it, I think they just so, want to feel. So I, I'll just address a couple of points because I think, I think yeah. that's way too broad of a question. Yeah, um, do I think <laughs> that the healthy work-life balance of 90-hour work weeks at like less than minimum wage is sustainable or like <laughs> something that should be promoted? No, not at all. Um, yeah. If if I have opportunities for changing that and to like mm. help drive positive change in the industry, yes, I'm most certainly going to jump on that. Mm. What does that look like? I don't know yet. Like, like they yeah. have some ideas and some thoughts, that's valid. you know, not something that's big beyond the point of having had, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, but not really, you know, done any research or due diligence at all. Yeah. Okay. Ultimately, like, and again, this comes back to the, the creator success part, right? Like, yeah, creators shouldn't be in a situation where they need to work themselves literally out of health in order to yeah. that does not meet creator success metric in no, any right. way like yeah you're right like i think i saw a tweet yesterday of somebody explaining going like this is why comic creators die poor, penniless and sad yeah and it's like it's like him breaking down all of one. his cost yeah you saw breaking all his costs down one dollar 84 cents like yeah every time you sell a thousand comics fuck you like <laughs> yeah there's a there's a supply chain and distribution problem with the comics the traditional comics industry Digital is supposed to fix. And like, again, the traditional comics industry has been very, very slow to adopt, adopt digital. Yeah, so and purposely um, destructive as well. You know, like I, I wonder, I wonder how much um, that will change on its own and how much needs to be kind of coerced along. The other thing I'll jump onto is like toxicity. Yes. I, I definitely think that there's been a lot of toxicity. Yeah. And the comics industry is very fractured. It is. I don't like it at all. One of the things that we're aspiring to be is to be a community and an ecosystem that welcomes every part of the comics industry, as long as they can play nice along, play to the rules of be a decent human being to each other. Okay, yeah. If you come into our community and you can't be a decent human being, or you're like trying to drive like smear campaigns or toxicity, I won't have a problem kicking you out. And neither will our moderation. Uh -huh. But at the same time, it's not our job to to police people for having thoughts. Mm. Right. And so we're Kevin and myself both have um, over a decade of experience as community managers, having come from the gaming industry. Yeah. And so it's very much one of those. There isn't a single answer that solves everything. Yeah. Um, we are putting in place the ground rules and the framework that is required to have a healthy community. But that doesn't make a healthy community in for itself. It's how we continue to nurture and evolve and, and integrate the community itself into self-governance. That will be the decision factor on whether or not that can remain positive but sense. it's a challenge it is a challenge um, i mean it does, it's not but easy. not one that i think is insurmountable and i think that we uniquely are positioned to be successful in this given our backgrounds as 
you know, decade plus working in perhaps some of the most toxic communities in the world. Yeah, I mean, video games. I mean, yeah, the, the gamers TM are specific, are, are people. That's what I can say about them. I've seen oh, them man. breathe oxygen. I, um, I moderated Battle.net at one oh, point. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah there's a lot of stress the amount of creative insults was was humorous from time to time but also like yeah i know i was like god yeah i i I think my my personal record when i was moderating that community like i think i banned something like 1700 people in a day (laughs) (laughs) i think that's again then i just get the last one out of the way any plans to add music or gifts um music maybe Mm. There's some question marks there. That's very that's very often a creator focused feature. Mm. And like the majority of people reading comics that I've spoken with, like none of them ever mention it. Yeah. And so I'm not opposed to it. Okay. But also it's not the highest of priorities. Valid. Yeah. Um on animations and gifts. The dot GIF mm. file format, never. Yeah. Um, no, that's because I'm with the you. quality is terrible, yeah. the file size is huge, and the color spectrum is garbage. I'm still trying to get people onto the APNG, so don't worry, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a WebM or it's an APNG or, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe. Like, again, this, this comes down to um, being a feature for a really, really small subset of creators. And that doesn't mean that we're not interested in doing it because I, I certainly think that there's a lot of like really interesting and kind of cool experiences that I've seen created with it. Mm. Uh, it just means that if it's something that we're going to tackle, we, we should also make the process for the creator for understanding how to set it up, how to use, how to configure and like get it up and, and like in, in the right kind of experience, like yeah. so that the, the output matches the expectations of the input um is super streamlined and super easy to do and you know like we said earlier you're asking for something simple but <laughs> simple doesn't take very little time to make. yeah no you're right you're right no that's actually been really good i've learned a lot and i really appreciate your time on this thanks no, you're very welcome like i like i said when we started this conversation as long as we're, we have a fun convo i'm, I'm all game and uh, this has been fantastic yeah Thank you. It's been great. I really appreciated learning a lot. Uh, and hopefully I will speak to you again when better things are happening. Well, thank you.